Hi, my name is Joe Spertoli, and this is my first attempt at creating a podcast. I've never done this before, so I'm excited to give this a try. This one is for my EDUL 634 educational leadership class. And for this final project, there will be three questions that I'll be answering. And throughout the um, podcast, I'll be referencing a book we read in class, Turning High Poverty Schools into High Performing Schools by William Parrott and Kathleen Budge. I'll also be referencing different activities that we we did in class that really um, helped with my education in these different areas, especially when it comes to the impact that poverty has on students and families. So the first question we were asked to answer was, what impact does poverty and culture have on student learning and instructional strategies? I really liked a poverty simulation we did online with a partner where for one month, you kind of had to walk in the life of uh, somebody that was dealing with very low income and some of the stress and hard decisions that you have to make throughout that month just to survive. And one thing that came up right away was that students that live in poverty might not have funds for projects, you know, having um, getting the supplies in order to create like a classroom project or the opportunity to be involved in extracurriculars just because you might not have the family might not have money to pay fees or get equipment or transportation to get you to and from. And so those things just get cut out sometimes because there are more pressing needs of the family that they need to focus on before doing those things. And in education, um, we all know that being involved in those different extracurriculars really goes a long way to enhancing the overall educational experience for students. So families that don't have a lot of money might be very limited in those areas. Another impact that we saw in that simulation was nutrition and health, not having access to good nutrition and health care. Without a lot of money, you just eat what you can. Whatever you have, it might be hot dogs or fast food or cheap things like having chips and stuff like that as opposed to a well-balanced diet. And you also might avoid medical bills or copay that would keep you healthy. In our simulation, the student had a sore tooth, but you had an expensive copay, so it was the student's going to just have to tough it out for right now. But understanding that that really could have an impact, a negative impact on their learning at school. If they're sitting there in class with a sore tooth or a hungry stomach, they're not going to learn as well as uh, as they would if, if they didn't have to deal with those uh, hard things. And also another thing from that simulation I noticed was that the stress of life might take precedence over education. So not that the schooling itself isn't important to the families or the students, but if you're going home and and worrying about what you're going to eat for dinner, all of a sudden that studying for that exam or working on a project doesn't seem as important because there's so many hard things that you're dealing with. Um, And that's why sometimes too, grades and performance at school can suffer. And I, you know, I just think about that as myself, if, if, you know, if, if I had something going on at home, my job performance might decrease just because my mind is, is elsewhere instead of focused on school or work. Um, One example from the book, HPHP, uh, there was a student that was tardy to first hour often and he was an A student in all of his other classes except for first hour he kept showing up late so the teachers in school kept trying to reach the parents were really having a hard time getting in contact with them and finally uh, either the mom or dad came into school and explained well the reason why my son's been late every day is that we don't have running water at home so we've been waiting for either a local shelter or a campground to open up so that my son could go and take a shower before coming to school because we didn't want his friend 
friends to make fun of him for being dirty. Um, and so they, they just decided that they'd rather have him be tardy than dirty at school. And it really had a negative impact on his first hour grade. He was doing really bad. And this was a great student that had really excelled in his other classes, um, but was a very clear example of how families dealing with poverty can really um, have to make some decisions that could negatively impact their um, performance at school. Another thing would be access to resources for learning. So having books at home or internet, TV, or even a cell phone. Nowadays, most students can Google something if they need to learn information and have that access at their fingertips. But if you live in poverty, you might not have that same ability to get those resources. And so when it comes to like different projects in classrooms, teachers could provide some alternative options for students without access to supplies or technology by simply providing maybe class time to work on computers or providing materials at school that the students would need instead of relying on families at home to go and purchase whatever supplies they would need in order to um, create the project that was assigned. And, and Or maybe it could be as simple as helping the student find some books in the library that they could rent. Um, so being aware of the different challenges that students in your class might be facing so that you can you can help them out instead of just assuming um, everybody, every student when they go home has access to things like computers or internet in order to get their work done. The second question that was posed to us for this assignment was, what are the characteristics of a quality school? Number one that came up often throughout class was just a safe environment. Students need to feel comfortable to learn, and and uh, one way you can do that is to make sure that the rules are enforced. HPHP used an example of there was a lunchroom that had a sign that said no yelling, and when you walked into the lunchroom, it was just chaos. Uh, students were yelling, fighting, pushing, not staying in line. There was no organization, and it really felt chaotic and unsafe. So number one, build a safe environment, have rules and expectations, but then enforce them. Teachers, any adults in the building, administration have to enforce those rules so that you can cre create uh, organization throughout your building. And another really big component to this would be building relationships with students and families. Again, all adults in the building, students are going to feel safer if they feel comfortable around the adults that they're with every single day. And that really takes a lot of effort on the on the side of the adults in the building to go out of their way to get to know students and families and to build positive relationships. Another thing we talked about in the text, HPHP, have high expectations for all students. Break any myths or stereotypes you might think about students or families that live in poverty. They, All people are, um, it doesn't mean that they don't care about education, even if they're not getting as good of grades. Sometimes it's just the challenges they face. Or if they're not, if the parents aren't showing up to parent-teacher conferences, it might not be that they don't care. It's just that they might not have access to transportation or they're working multiple jobs and can't get there. Or maybe they can't afford a cell phone and that's why you can't reach them. So having high expectations for all and breaking myths and stereotypes that you might um, not even realize that you hold on to. Another characteristic would be uh, leadership capacity throughout the building. So like teachers feel a sense of ownership by administration giving them a voice and leadership roles so that they are willing to um, take some new chances, try some new ideas, and um, take some risks. 
we watched a video in class that I really liked. There was a new principal that was taking over a high poverty school that had been low performing. And when she first addressed the students, one student stood up and said, uh, this is not a school. And she took that to heart and realized that just the facility itself gave that feeling. She said there was chains on the doors, there was light bulbs out, there was broken desks and chairs and and bad um, supplies throughout the building. So she started to slowly upgrade those facilities as much as she could by cleaning out the clutter changing light bulbs to make the hallways brighter and classrooms brighter, remove the chains from the doors to really start to make the feel of the building feel more like a school. And and that went a long way. And I really liked um, that she kind of set the tone with that and then started tackling other challenges of, of these things like holding the students to high expectations and really um, pushing um, for growth in different educational areas like reading and math. The third question for this assignment is, how does the principal have an impact? Again, from the book, HPHP, good principals are active in the community to understand the challenges of families. Poverty looks different throughout the country and even in the state. Rural Wisconsin is going to have different poverty challenges than maybe Milwaukee poverty um, will have. And so when a principal comes to a, a school or community, they really need to spend some time getting to know the students and families so they can understand what are the challenges is that these families are facing so that that can help them create a plan moving forward of how they can help meet the needs of all students. They need to also set the culture of the building, break those myths that we talked about so that high expectations will be held for all learners. The text, HPHP, talked about the three E's. Excellence is uh, just having those high expectations for all learners. Equality is that all students are reaching these high standards, that not just certain students are achieving high expectations and standards, but all of them are achieving at a high level. Equity is um, giving distribution distribution of resources like time, money, and people, not necessarily equally, but enough that it, that all students are getting their needs met, um, whether it is you know time for uh, instruction or money or just having people or aides present that, that will help them reach their needs. The principal needs to take risks to try new ways to meet the needs of families and students and then encourage teachers to do the same. I I saw a video a few years ago when I was working at my last school, and it showed a principal that... um, the, he worked in a school that was high poverty, and there were some really challenging um, things that were going on in the lives of the students at that school where they would even witness a lot of crime and, and violence. And so what he had learned about was that meditation could help potentially relax and calm down some people and, and young people. So he started trying to do meditation at the first five minutes of the school day and at the end, and it really had a positive impact on the student population. Um, behaviors were doing better. Overall achievement in school was doing better. There was less tardies and less fighting. And so you really have to think outside the box and try some new things. you got to be willing to take risks. And as a principal, you have to encourage your teachers to do this same. If you always do what you always have done, you're always going to get what you've always got. So you got to think outside the box to try to um, achieve new things.
in the HPHP text, um, they actually gave a list of some things that a principal can do. One, require your teachers to design their curriculum to the standards. So basically keeping your goal in mind as you develop your lessons so that you can keep pushing forward and trying to achieve those goals for all students. Increase the time for reading and math. That was a common thing I saw amongst schools that became high-performing. They really put an emphasis on those two subjects, and then that also led to other areas of school showing improvement as well. Invest time into professional development for your teachers. We need to encourage, as principals, our teachers to continue to be lifelong learners, learn new ideas and strategies so that they can be more effective teachers. Have systems in place to monitor progress of learning. So this could be done by using uh, different types of assessments so that you can recognize any students that might be falling behind so that you can come up with instructional strategies to help them achieve at a higher level. And have increased parent involvement. Maybe that could be parent-teacher conferences or different community nights or sending home newsletters or progress reports, anything that you can do to keep the parents in the loop of their students' educational progress um, can go a long way to seeing improvement throughout their um, scores and overall experience at school. Also, having consequences for adults that are not meeting expectations. If you, as a principal, allow one teacher to not have these high expectations or to not um, increase their chances of reaching their goals, if you're allowing that with one teacher, you're really allowing that throughout your building. Then that becomes the expectation, and you won't continue to increase your overall performance of your students. You have to have those same high expectations for your teachers and adults in the building as well. So those were my three answers for those questions. I really enjoyed giving this podcast a a chance. I like doing it, and um, I really enjoyed the things we talked about and discussed and learned in class. I look forward to taking other classes through the Viterbo program. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, and have a great day. Thank you. Bye.